An influx of migrants to the Empire State over the last year has reignited a debate over the responsibility of state and local government officials to provide at least temporary housing to people in New York, with Governor Hochul recently doubling down on her position that this mandate is limited to the five boroughs. For more on the state's shelter responsibilities and the government response more broadly to thousands of additional asylum seekers in New York, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Joshua Goldfein, a staff attorney at the Legal Aid Society the nonprofit that helps cement the right to shelter in the five boroughs specifically. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thanks for having me. So during a recent address, Governor Hochul made the claim that New York City and not the state's other 57 counties have to follow a right to shelter mandate. Before we get into municipalities outside the five boroughs, can you explain the origins of the 1981 agreement that require New York City to shelter anyone seeking accommodations? A young lawyer named Robert Hayes who lived near the Bowery in Lower Manhattan, and he volunteered in a local soup kitchen, and he met a number of people there who lived in the same community that he did but were unhoused. And one of those men was Robert Callahan, and Hayes brought a case on behalf of Mr. Callahan and other individuals that he met seeking a right to shelter for them under the New York State Constitution. And after some initial uh, legal skirmishing and an indication that the court agreed that there was a right to shelter, the city agreed in a consent decree in 1981 that uh, every single adult man at that time had a right to shelter That was quickly expanded to include women. And then later, a case was brought on behalf of families with children as well. And what was it about the state constitution that put the city in that case with the responsibility to provide a right to shelter? Right to shelter was included in the Article 17 of the state constitution, which um, provides that the state has to uh, provide aid and care to the needy in New York. And that language arose out of the experience of the Depression when there was mass homelessness, you know, people living out of doors, large encampments, many people who had previously had a place to stay suddenly did not. And in 1938, New York State had a constitutional convention, and the delegates to that convention included language in response to what they saw during during the Depression. And that obligation to provide aid and care to the needy, the court said, included a right to shelter. Well, then turning our attention outside of New York City, has the language of the state constitution that you just talked about, has that ever been addressed by court challenges for the rest of the state? There are a number of appellate opinions that interpret that provision. And it would be a strained interpretation to say the right to shelter is not part of the state constitution under those cases. And there's not a provision in the constitution that says these provisions only apply in New York City or only apply in a city of 5 million people or more. It's a statewide document. It it governs the legal structure of the state of New York, and that is the source of that obligation. So based on that idea that the right to shelter applies to the entire state, 
what should municipalities or the state outside of New York City be doing for migrants who are in need of shelter right now? What would the appropriate response look like? We're talking about this as a right to shelter issue because other levels of government have failed to do their job. So if the question is, how do we solve the problem? You know, we have a nationwide issue here. We have people crossing the border going to every state, every city. There are very few communities around the country that are not touched by this. And as the mayor said, it makes no sense to admit people to the United States and then tell them you can't support yourself. You can't work. That's all they want to do. And in fact, they are working. They don't have the protections that they would have against wage theft, exploitation, abuse on the job if they had a legal authorization to work. So having created that situation, having released people into the United States, but then told them you can't work, the federal government really has the obligation to solve this. They could let people work. They could provide support to communities that are having to care for people. The right to shelter is a, is a statewide obligation. The state could take charge of this. The state has historically been the level of government that directed resettlement efforts. So the governor could issue an executive order, taking control of the process, directing where people go, matching people to communities that are able and, and ready to receive them and manage this in, in an authoritative way to ensure that people actually get what they need. But where we are right now is no one has taken any real leadership to solve this other than the mayor of the city of New York, who has been adding places for people to stay. You know, even in New York, I think we're not doing the kind of case management that we need to do to help people get to where they really want to go. If we did that, if we had a statewide response, if we had the federal government taking control of the situation, then we wouldn't be raising and addressing this question of what is the local level of government's obligation when all these other levels of government have failed to deal with the problem. This constitution says what it says. The right to shelter exists. It would fall on these local communities if other levels of government are not going to step up and address the problem. But you know, again, even having to ask the question highlights the fact that other, that the other levels of government who are charged with dealing with this problem have not taken it on. Well, I want to talk about the next legal steps in this situation. But first, let me reintroduce you for listeners just joining us. This is the Capitol Press Room, and we're talking about the state's right to shelter mandate. And our guest is Joshua Goldfein, a staff attorney at the Legal Aid Society. So theoretically, the direct responsibility, it seems, to provide that right to shelter would fall on local governments, as it has with the New York City government and the five boroughs. But outside of New York City, localities have obviously balked at that, and the state has shown an unwillingness to enforce the idea of a right to shelter on those counties. So is the mechanism for compelling state action simply going through the court system? You talked about appellate rulings that address the right to shelter outside of New York City. Does this need to ultimately go to the state's top court, the Court of Appeals, to have a new precedent set for a right to shelter outside of New York City? Yeah, just to be clear, it's it's a statewide right. It falls on the state. But if the state is not going to address it, then then you know it's also going to fall on these local governments. We are hopeful that we are able to work out 
the issues in terms of the resources available to people, and then that will solve the problem. You know, courts only will address problems that there's no other way to solve. Here, the clients that we have have a very specific problem, which is that they need a place to stay. And if we can continue the process we've begun of working with every level of government to try to come up with better solutions, then we won't need to confront that problem because we won't have clients who have an injury in the form of a lack of shelter. And then this will all be remain an academic conversation. But if we see a scene like we saw a couple of weeks ago with people sleeping on the sidewalk, you know, we're going to confront these very difficult questions of how did that happen? Who's responsible? And, you know, how do we prevent that from happening again? Well, short of pursuing a legal action that leads up to the Court of Appeals, what does a, a compromise look like with the state in terms of complying with the the right to shelter outside of New York City? Is it just about providing some sort of temporary housing or is it more than that? Is it those auxiliary services that need to be part of the conversation too? It's really just about the flow of people and where they go and how they are taken care of. As long as people get what they need, which is a place to stay, the legal problem will be resolved. And there are any number of ways to do that. We think that the city should be doing more in terms of providing case management services to help people move out. Then we would have more vacancy. Certainly the state could take charge of the situation and help redistribute people to communities that they want to go to and that want to have them. You know, we have labor shortages all over the state, as the governor has acknowledged. We have, you know, declining school enrollment. We have communities that need people to move to them who are eager to work, who are anxious to relocate, who, you know, maybe didn't intend to live in New York City. New York City is not everyone's first choice of a place to spend their life. So if those things would happen, if the federal government would allow people to work and better support them, then we would not be confronting these questions. We wouldn't have any injury to our clients and we wouldn't need to debate the finer points of constitutional law. And when we think about the implementation of the right to shelter, how, if at all, do government resources factor into the actual implementation of that right? For example, are concessions to the right to shelter allowed if a municipality determines that they don't have the ability to fully comply with this provision? The law about the government's obligations was made in the homeless litigation in New York, a case called McCain versus Dinkins. And the court said that the government has the obligation to comply with court orders. There's no good faith defense. We tried, we did our best. Either you comply or you don't. And currently the city is in, in compliance. If they were not to be in compliance, then they would be in legal jeopardy there. Um, the same could be said of any other community that does not including the state as a whole, that does not meet its legal obligations. But again, our, our hope is that we can resolve all of this by ensuring that people get what they need and then not have to fight it out in court. Well, finally, when you think about this landscape and the state's responsibility, does this question of what the state's responsibility is change in your mind depending on the number of migrants, a number of homeless more broadly that 
the state is facing. This kind of has to do with the same question we just talked about. But if numbers continue to grow, say, exponentially, does this mandate change at all in your mind or does it not matter because of that language in the state constitution? I guess the question is really, what is the alternative? You know, if we don't take care of people, where are they going to go? They're here. They've been lawfully admitted to the United States. And then they've been told you can't support yourself. So they're doing their best to support themselves. But if they can't live completely independently, if they don't have a place to stay, where are they going to be? Are they going to be in the parks? Are they going to be on the streets? Are they going to be in the subways? Are they, where are their children going to be? Nobody wants to see this. I think what New Yorkers want is to know that people are protected. They know this is the engine that drives New York, is newcomers. And they want people to have the leg up that everyone else has had, which is confidence to know that if they're going to be in New York, if they're going to be helping to make this city function, um, which it can't without them, then they uh, are entitled to some basic protections. It's just, you know, human decency that we provide for people their most basic needs if for whatever reason they can't meet them. Here, the reason they can't meet them is very simple because the president has not signed a piece of paper. But until he does, uh, this is the choice that we have. Well, we've been speaking with Joshua Goldfein. He's a staff attorney at the Legal Aid Society. Josh, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capitol Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.